All right. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the 360 Sports Show here on another beautiful Sunday morning, September 13th, 2020. I am Andrew Pizzelli. Welcome to the show. Our email address and social media handles are right there on the screen. You can email the show at any time, whether while we're live here or throughout the week, and we will get to those, the 360 Sports Show at gmail.com. That's the email address. You can always hit us up through Instagram and Twitter at 360 Sports Show. Thank you for finding us here on a Sunday morning. We are live every Sunday at 11 a.m. on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Periscope, and you can connect with us through any of those platforms. And if you can't catch us live, you can catch us on the podcast. Just search for The 360 Sports Show on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. So we've got a lot to get into today, a lot of great stuff from the NBA and NHL. And the NFL starts in earnest today. Uh, week one began on Thursday, but uh, all the, the all the games really start today. Uh, Sundays are for football. So uh, without any further ado, I'm going to bring in our co-host here, my good friend Christian Lauber. Christian, how you doing here on uh, Football Sunday? Yeah, finally some, uh, I mean, it feels definitely feels a little weird, but, uh, you know, football being back is, is a good thing. Um, oh. We got 110 days left, Woo! and uh, we're, we're slowly getting down there now. Getting there. So two... One this show and one more show, and then we're into double digits. Exactly. Oh. Yep. We just oh. got to get through two more. Actually, I want to look. I want to look now. Hold on. Uh, I want to see. I'm just curious. I haven't. I haven't thought about peeking ahead and looking at a calendar. I'm just curious when our. Da, da, da. Okay, so the 31st, New Year's Eve this year is on a Thursday, so it'll be January 3rd will be our first show in in the new year. Um. So 2021 will be, you know, two days old, and so we'll by then we'll have a uh, we'll have a maybe maybe a good uh, a good enough uh, sample size to know how the year's gonna go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one can only hope. Oh boy! All right. Anyways, uh, let's jump right in. Uh, lots to get to. Um, we will do our NFL picks. That's kind of the beauty, Christian, of of us doing this live now on a Sunday morning is that we can make picks live. And if people are listening live, they can hear our picks. They can take take our insights into account. Uh, and then uh, if they listen to it as a podcast on Monday or Tuesday, they get to see how wrong we are. <laughs> so Exactly. Yeah, so, how so, much we suck. So, yeah. so you get the best of both worlds. So uh, we will get to the NFL uh, later on at the end uh, to, to get our picks. Um, as like I said, you can send us your thoughts and questions through the comments section or by email, uh, the360sportshow at gmail.com. But I want to start. With the NBA, uh, which we've said for a while has been the most exciting product um, this summer slash now almost fall. And uh, the second round uh, has been fantastic in some of these matchups. Last weekend, you know, we talked about the Celtics, you know, lose game three in dramatic fashion, lay an egg in game four. How do they respond? Uh, And so that series ends up going seven games. The Bucks completely just collapse. I know they managed to win a game without Giannis. <clears throat> Let's get into that. Uh, the Lakers end up kind of cruising, and the Clippers in Denver might go the distance as well. We don't know. But uh, let's start, because I know we both want to talk a lot about the Celtics, but let's let's get the other ones out of the way. Uh, the Bucks, man, just more disappointment for them. I mean, I know it's a weird year, and how much do you read into everything, but 
they should have gone a lot further. And you know what? <laughs> they should not be getting uh, gentlemanly swept uh, by any team. Uh, it, you know, they, they were the best team. They could have set uh, – they, they were on pace to have, like, one of the best seasons in NBA history, record-wise and scoring-wise. And I know that all gets disrupted because of the bubble, but, man, uh, I I know it's some of it about the matchup, but it's like we said, Giannis, a guy who can't shoot and a guy who can't make free throws, at the end of the day, they're going to wall you off and make all the other guys beat you. And the Bucks just honestly, in actuality, don't have enough, and they lose in five games to the Heat. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, like, there's no reason you should be getting, uh, like you mentioned, five games. That's that is just that's a fail. That's a major fail for this team. Um, they should have at least, I would say, at least six, maybe seven, easily for for this team. But on the other side of it, I think they're they're they've been and they are heavily overrated. <clears throat> now, obviously, the bubble changes things um, in terms of home court and the atmosphere is different and guys are struggling in there, but. Overall, they, I mean, look, Chris Middleton is what he is. He's a streaky shooter that if he gets hot, he's, he could roll. If not, he's just kind of like, you know, lower and all-star, I want to say. Like, he's a good player, not a great player. Giannis is, uh, was exposed in this series and is, has been overrated since he came in the league. He's, he's the MVP because he's nine feet tall and he dunks on everybody. whoop de doo But at the end of the day, he can't shoot. And he misses free throws, and they were exposed in this series by Miami's grit and toughness. And also, you build a wall uh, on Giannis. He has two moves: he runs you over, uh, he spins and, and kicks it to somebody, and then they just they chuck up threes all day. Um, and I think for that team, like Brook Lopez, if if Brook Lopez is shooting like eight to ten threes a game. I think you're in good shape if you're the opposite team because that means it's less for the other guys around him. And also, let me just say this: Eric Bledsoe sucks. He he has not done anything for them. Yeah, uh, he scored like eight points in Game Six. It's just like he he doesn't do much. I, I they gave him a huge contract, um, and I just think that that team is just overrated. Now with home court, they probably win a couple more games, but Miami exposed them a little bit. The biggest mistake. The, that the uh, the Bucks have made is letting Malcolm Brogdon go. Letting Malcolm Brogdon go, I mean that that's the guy that that you yep. needed. That's the guy who would have given you a little little extra offense, uh, way better than Eric Bledsoe, like just light years ahead of of Bledsoe. And that's the guy that they that they miss and and that they would have needed uh, to maybe get over the hump here. And I, I still don't think they win a championship with that team, even if you put. Brogdon on there instead of Bledsoe, um, but I think maybe that you know their willingness to pay uh, Brogdon and kind of reach that you know luxury tax area. I think Bucks management they're going to get what they have coming to them because Giannis unfollowed everyone. This is what we have to do now in in 2020. Not just not no. just not just not just 2020, but in today's day and age. You know, hey, so and so just unfollowed all these people on social media. Giannis unfollowed every single person on social media except his family and, like, two or three friends who are, like, his, must be, like, part of his marketing team or something like that. Uh, and his dog. He didn't unfollow his dog on social media. So, and apparently, he's asked for a meeting with the, the management of, of the Bucks. 
and I don't blame him. And now, do I think Giannis is to blame for, for what happened a little bit? Yes, I think he should improve his game. He's a phenomenal athlete. He is a all-world type talent. But, like we've said multiple times, to win a championship, he needs to get better. He needs to shoot. Or he needs to have different types of players around him, uh, which I think Brogdon would have helped, and maybe that gets them to a conference finals. But still, it comes down to Giannis. You want to be the MVP, you have to carry the team. Now, I know he got hurt, so I'm not going to blame him for not like being out there in Game 5, right? In, in the end of game four. That is that is completely what it is. He got hurt. Legitimate injury. But you you could you could see it coming uh, with this team. You know, I think we both felt, you know, that the Heat were going to give them some trouble and that, you know, maybe they still find a way to, to get to a conference final and, and, and maybe even win that conference final just because Giannis is a mismatch. But they got, like you said, Christian, they got exposed. And now, now the seed of doubt is planted. Does Giannis think that, the Bucks management is willing to pay to put a competitive team around him? Or does he think they just want to fill seats, they just want to sign me to a max deal, keep me here for 10 years, and be able to be a profitable franchise that wins 60 games and flames out in the playoffs, but at the end of the day they're, they're making money. If he thinks that, or if he doubts himself, or doubts the team, or any of that, you know, the Bucks should come to him with a max offer right now. Max extension. We'll give it to you, Giannis. If he balks or, or straight up asks for a trade, do it. <laughs> Just do it. Yeah, and you got to get something. And because you can't if, – if the if he's not sold on the Bucks or the Bucks aren't sold on him, it it's going to happen this offseason. Not, he's not going to play out a year and go to free agency because the, the, Bucks, the Bucks will want to remain you – can't, you can't let him uh, – you know, LeBron you <laughs> or, or Durant yeah. or Durant you. you. You have to just trade trade this guy. And it's a very – I'd say it's very similar to what happened with Durant. Durant, you know, I would never leave OKC. I love OKC. This is my home. This is the team that drafted me, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to go play with the Warriors. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's one of the teams that's rumored. I mean, they have – the Warriors are the most intriguing offseason story because of the talent they have on that roster and the capital they have to move around. They have a top three pick. They have Andrew Wiggins, who maybe they want to keep, maybe they want to move on. They, I mean, they could trade both of those things. They could trade the pick for Giannis, and then they could turn around and trade Wiggins for something else in a package deal. I mean, or you three team, four team. Like, there's so many. The, what the Warriors are going to be next year is is so fascinating and scary. But you know, that's that's one of the rumored teams that Giannis could want to go to. Maybe it's the Miami team. If he goes to Miami, then that's completely the Durant move. Like, I'm going to oh, go yeah. to the team that, that outed me. Just like Durant paved the way for this. I guess I can do it too. Uh, so that, <laughs> I don't know. I don't I don't like Giannis's future in Milwaukee. If you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan, look out because I think the dark days are coming. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think he could easily uh, just move on at this point. Um but at the same time, he said he's going to stay. So that's that's the biggest offseason story. Um, fortunately, we still have games to be played. So uh, we'll see what happens with him. But I overall, I think Milwaukee made a mistake with Brogdon and Bledsoe, and they are where they are because of 
that and a bunch of other things where I just don't think Giannis is as good as as everybody thinks. Like he does some nice things. He's definitely a very very good player, but he's overrated. Yeah, I agree. I agree one hundred percent with you on that. Uh, so that's it. The Bucks are out, um, paving the way uh, uh, for the Eastern Conference to be wide open. Uh, next, uh, the Lakers cruise. They lose Game One, and then they pretty much just cruise here to the to the finish line against against the Rockets. Um, Christian, is small ball dead? Is it is it is it dead? Did did the Rockets prove in defeat here that you actually need size? You can't just play five guys and play ISO ball. Uh, is it dead, or is it more that <laughs> Russell Westbrook sucks at shooting? and cannot be part of a team like that. They tried. I think it worked in the regular season. But in the playoffs, you can't have that guy be part of an offense like that. It's just not going to work. Yeah, I think it's less the small ball thing, and I think it's uh, mostly because the Rockets play, I would say, almost – no, I would say zero defense um, any game ever. They want to outscore you 140 to 130. And if they can't, they are going to lose most of the time. So the small ball thing, uh, they definitely, it definitely did not go well. I'll say that. Um, cause obviously the Lakers have size, but overall, I just think it's the same old story with the Rockets. They want to beat you by running. It's D'Antoni's offense. They want to run, run around the court. Harden's going to, sh- you know, shoot 50 times and score 50 points. Um, and he's going to get to the line, but if you just play a little defense uh, and score down the other end, I mean, look, LeBron and Davis are two studs, so I, I don't think the Rockets had a chance ever. I mean, they, they played pretty well in game one, but then they just got absolutely run over. So um, less small ball, more it's the same old story with the Rockets. They either need another piece, they need to get rid of either Westbrook or, I mean, Harden to me is a guy that, that is – like whoop de doo he scores 50 points, but he doesn't do much else. I get, he's a better defender than people give him credit for. But, again, the guy hasn't won a thing, um, and it's the same old story with this team. Every year, year in, year out, they, they want to score 400 points, but then they give up 440. So, I don't know. Maybe a coaching change. They, they, need, a, they need either another piece or to get rid of a piece. But, uh, yeah, same old, same old. Yeah. I, I think I think Westbrook has to go. I just think, you know, that's the only way that team can improve is if they get rid of him because it they, they don't they don't have any capital. They've like traded away all their draft picks to try and build the team that they built this year. They went all in, and it didn't work, uh, which I think is good for the NBA that it failed um, because and, and not that teams won't go small at times in games, but I don't think you're going to see these teams constructing themselves without bigs. You know, I think we've proven that bigs are still necessary. So yeah. uh, the only the only asset they have that's worth anything, they're not going to get rid of Harden. It's Westbrook. You know, and I don't know where he could go. I don't know who would want you know who would want him for that contract. You know, maybe like Orlando. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, what else? What are they going to do though? They keep trading that spot. They got Chris Paul. Oh, this is going to change everything. Uh, that didn't work out. So then they trade for Russell Westbrook. That didn't work out. So then you're going to trade him away, and that's probably not going to work out. So I don't know if they can just they, – they're going to compete in the West, but once playoff time comes around, they're not getting through the Clippers, the Lakers, the Warriors when the healthy, uh, you name it. They barely got through OKC this year. I, I don't know. I just don't see – I think they should move on from Westbrook, but I don't know what they do because they don't have much. No. You know, I, 
I think it's just one of those things, you know, they if they keep moving that spot and somebody's willing to take that person from that spot, then they can kind of keep reshaping themselves every year, and at least there's like that, hey, like we're different this year type thing you got going for you, um, and people remain interested. I think if they bring back the exact same team, you're going to get the exact same result. You know, they're gonna yeah. they're gonna win 52 games, you know, you know, 48, 52 games somewhere in there, uh, get to the playoffs, you know, win a first round series, and then lose in five or six games in the second round. That's that's what their yeah, I mean, that's what their ceiling is. Uh, I just don't know how D'Antoni's still on that, uh, still coaching that team. Well, Same story every year. Yeah, but but it's not. I don't think it's his fault. I mean, I I, I think it's his style, though. I, I I really do. I think he's always been this guy that wants to run up the score. But once you get pushback and and you get uh, defended pretty well, you just either you lose. That's just this is yeah. Well, same old story. Last 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 night, game five against the Lakers, um, the first quarter, defensive indifference from the Rockets. I think the Rockets actually played good defense when they wanted to this year. Uh, they were a pretty d- decent, they were one of the best defensive teams during the restart in the bubble. You know, I think when they com- if they committed themselves, now like you said, that's not necessarily D- D'Antoni's style, but if they wanted to, they, they would ratchet up, up the defense uh, when they needed to. They needed to against that against the Thunder. You know, they that, that, that series was a rock fight. And I just think you know, do you blame D'Antoni for the players coming out and basically not even trying, not even running back and team? You make you make a bucket and then the other team gets a throw ahead dunk like over you. Like, is that coaching or is that just the players on the floor not caring? I mean, I think it's definitely both. But I, I well, actually, more the players for sure. But at the same time, D'Antoni, I'm just surprised that they haven't tried that tried making a change there because they've tried about everything else. They bring in every other point guard, you know, every other all-star point guard every year. So I don't know, just maybe try something new, maybe Harden, that's Harden's guy. I don't, I don't know, but yeah. Um, Just on the Lakers though. I mean, they had a three point barrage to start that game, which, which just, it it put the game away. The Rockets made a little run, but you just knew like when the game started that way and the Lakers got up 22 points in a blank, it's like, well, this game's over. Uh, second, and they're not necessarily um, a great three-point shooting team, but they, it, they were in that first quarter, and that basically ended that game. Uh, also, LeBron is a beast still. And you know what I love? Yeah. I love that he's letting the hair grow out a little bit. I love that you, you can see the bald spots. I love that you can see the gray in his beard, and the dude is still going full speed, dribbling behind his back, and throwing down on people. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. He's, yeah, he's still an absolute uh, stud. I mean, he's just like he can turn it up to another level, and uh, he's still, yeah, probably the best player in the world, no question. And I, I think he's gonna like quietly become like Tom Brady, like where people just keep waiting for him to fall off a cliff, and he just doesn't. Like it, he, the people are just gonna keep waiting for like LeBron to suck, and I don't think LeBron's ever gonna suck. It's just not going to happen because he's adapted his game to be more of a, of a, of a post player. He'll work his mismatch. He's not always trying to just be a freak athlete. Uh, he's added so much to yeah. his game that he can get through a season without having to punish himself and then do what he's doing in the playoffs. And yeah, he, I mean, he looked a little sluggish at the restart the first couple games, but once the playoffs started and the, the bright lights came on, he's been an absolute monster. The dude's like a Terminator. Yeah, I mean, still, I mean, still, he's just he, 
he always can get to that next level. You know, he might uh, he might take some some days off during the regular season, but it's all for all for the playoffs. And I think, you know, he's got good experience and he's become like an elite passer. He can rebound. So even if you know maybe his shooting goes or his uh, his drive drive ability goes, um, you know, he's still he's still going to have something that's you know far and away better than other players in the league. Yep. Uh, the next series, uh, the Clippers and the Denver Nuggets. Uh, the Clippers are in position. They're up 3-2. Um, they they should win this series. I expect them to win this series, and we'll get the Battle of L.A. But, man, they just love to let teams back into games, and I don't get it. I, I just I feel like they should be the best team in the bubble. The offensive talent they have, the coaching, you know, Doc Rivers as a defense-first coach, the, the defensive – versatility that that team has they have some size they have aggression they have great perimeter defense they also have a litany of offensive weapons i just feel like they should be blowing people out and and they shouldn't be blowing leads yet they keep doing it they did it in the restart they've done it all year they did it against the mavericks if the mavericks were healthy maybe they lose that series because they just couldn't match up with luca and Kristaps. and i just feel like they're still missing it and I feel like they're going to probably, you know, it's going to be awesome to see how a series between them and the Lakers goes. But I feel like the Clippers are going to, like, walk their way into a finals. And I just – I feel like a team that is missing that it factor, how often do they win a championship? Like, I feel like you need – at some point you need that it thing. And I know Kawhi Leonard has it. He has it. I think Pat Bev has it. But I don't think that team as a whole has it. I just feel like you just see they just kind of are a bunch of guys. They have so much talent. It just, I don't know. Like I said, it's the eye test. It's just what I see. The way they blow leads, I just feel like you can't be a team. It's not sustainable. It's just not sustainable to have that and and win a championship. And I feel like it's just going to come back to bite them eventually. Um, They might be the best offensively gifted team in terms of collective talent. But I just feel like they're missing something, and they're going to win this series. Uh, but you never know. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Denver could go, you know, if Jamal Murray goes bananas here in two more games, if it gets to a game seven, all bets are off. But I expect them to put the clamps on in game six and, and just be done with it. But I don't like yeah, it. I don't I mean, like it. I would think they, they just close it tonight. But I, I, I think just, I mean, between, between Kawhi and George, who is now playing – at a pretty high level, uh, I think he'll be fine. I mean, Lou Williams the other day shot like 20%. Um, so there's your lot, there's your six point difference right there. He makes two shots, three shots, but, uh, yeah, this, it's going to be LA, LA, and, uh, that will be an exciting series. Yeah. Uh, now (laughs) to the thing that's caused us stress and anxiety for two weeks, uh, the Celtics, defeat the Raptors. They they take the championship belt off the the defending champions, you know, the that the heart of the champion. The the Raptors felt like zombies, like you just couldn't kill them. Uh because every single game this series, with the exceptions of games 1 and 5, the the Celtics would get a lead and they could just never extend it and the Raptors just always hung around and it was just it just it felt like you were running in mud against them that no matter how hard you tried they were just always going to be there at the end. Uh, so the Celtics blow out. You know, they, they route in Game 5. Game 6, you know, it's already in the books. I don't think we have to, you know, uh, 
whine too much about the officiating, but oh my God, putrid! You know, just so evident that the that the NBA wanted a game seven, especially when the NBA is tweeting out after the game hashtag We the North like twenty times. Yeah, I saw that. The actual yeah. NBA account, not the Raptors. The NBA account tweeting that out and then saying, Game 7, Game 7, Game 7. Like, all right, chill out. I know that's not like Adam Silver doing that. It's some, you know, intern. But, like. Tim Donaghy. That's yeah, it Tim Donaghy. Uh, the officiating was awful. And I've said this. I think Christian, me and you agree on this. Bad calls, good calls, they happen, right? Missed calls happen. When refs inject themselves into a game and are, are, are a part you know, you never, you know, very rarely do you actually just straight up lose a game because of uh, the officials. You know, you that like that's like the main reason. Uh, that doesn't happen too often. There are extreme cases, but officials can be a factor. They're a hundred percent a factor, and they injected no. themselves way too much into Game Six. I'm sorry. We want to review every little thing for oh a hostile act. We want to go back and say, wait a minute, Jason Tatum. I know you got fouled. And that's why your arm, you know, kind of came up because you had just gotten fouled on your way to the basket. But your elbow hit this guy in the head. You know what? In overtime of a playoff game, we're going to assess a technical foul on that. You know, because we have that power. But on the other end, if Kemba Walker goes to the basket and gets absolutely hacked at the rim, that's not a reviewable play. Sorry, Brad Stevens. You can't challenge a non-call. But we could go back in time and assess a technical on that play if we wanted to. On on yeah. on somebody, Kemba Walker. By the rules right now, I said this to Matt Murphy, our, our resident NBA salary cap uh, and draft expert. I, I said, by the rules right now, Kemba Walker could go up. He could go to the rim. Four Raptors could each pick a limb and rip his arms and legs off, and he could be on the floor bleeding. And uh, nobody would. Uh, you can't go back and review that for a foul. But you could go back and assess a technical for, like, Jason Tatum, like, maybe complaining about that Kemba Walker was just, you know, dismembered. <laughs> like, the, by, yeah, the, no. by the rules, you can't do anything. It's ridiculous. It's like Bill Belichick says, if you're going to review things, review everything. You tell me you can't fix that call? You guys go back you know, and make all no. these subjective calls on hostile act and unnecessary contact and challenging a shooter is a flagrant foul now, like a minute after the fact. We want to go back and double-check something. But a guy is clearly fouled on his way to the hoop, and you don't want to review that? What is the point? And it takes forever. It should take 90 seconds. If you can't make up your mind in 90 seconds like college football is doing now, that's it. Sorry, call on the floor stands. I hate it. Yeah, I hate the I, freeze-framing I, and breaking these things down at, like, the anatomical level. It ruins the enjoyment of the game. Yeah, I mean it's a similar similar thing to the uh, Bucks Heat where they had a call at at one end that wasn't a foul from three. Then they had to make it up at the end of the game for Jimmy Butler, and he's shooting free throws to win the game. Like I don't, it just takes away from from the whole thing. Now the officiating was awful in that game, but that's not the reason the Celtics lost. They had a chance. They had chance multiple chances to put that team away, and they just couldn't do it. Um, and that was kind of the story of the series. Obviously, Kemba got fouled there, and it was in the two-minute report, which another thing that the NBA does that is the most useless thing in the world um, because it just puts emphasis that the refs suck. Yeah. But uh, I will say now that the Raptors have lost, 
thankfully to that game seven, which another good game, but the Celtics finally, you know, clamped down it and put them away. But real quick before we get to that is the biggest tool from the bubble is now leaving. Uh, Nick Nurse is by far and away the most hardo tool I've ever watched uh, ever. I didn't notice him as much uh, in previous years. Maybe he amped it up a bit. This guy is a freaking tool. Oh, my God. If I have to watch another minute of him, I, I was just going to turn the TV off and never watch the game again. I, I couldn't do it. He bitches every time down the floor. Every call he wants reviewed. It never gets and, a technical. Yeah, he never gets anything. He's standing on the court. He's he's practically bent over in a defensive stance trying to play defense in the corner. He... Yeah, I just I can't do it. Between him and Lowry, it drives me insane. Now, obviously, you have guys like Tatum who bitches a lot, and Smart is similar to Lowry. But oh my God, does Nick Nurse? But they're uh, players. They're players on the court. When the coaches whine like that, it just empowers the players to whine more, and it makes it more insufferable. And he never gets teed up, dude. Stop. And they always got the call. They they scream and yell. Wanting them to go review. Oh wait, wait—he that guy threw an elbow like 18 feet away from the play. Oh, how about you go review Kemba Walker getting abused that entire series? Game seven, there was a call. Kemba Walker came across the lane, and um, uh, I can't even. Uh, Matt Thomas knocked him down. They just—it was like it was like a it was like a guy running a shallow cross in the NFL, and the linebacker's like, "Oh, you're within five yards. Boom! I'm just gonna knock you to the ground and throw you off your route because that's legal." Not legal in the NBA. That's a foul. They didn't call it, and then Daniel Tice comes to set a screen, and the guy slips on a little bit of water, and they call an offensive foul. It's like, pff, what kind of game are we officiating here? <laughs> Let the, and then those guys complain too. Yeah, you're right. I, I Nick Nurse. It's one thing to be an, an energetic coach and an engaged coach when he's standing on the baseline, like crouched over, like looking like he's ready to shoot the three. <laughs> Come on, man. That 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 was Mike Tomlin esque. That's what that yeah, was. Yeah, they said he was. They deemed him to be fine on that baseline. But either way, he's still a tool. It's and still a bad look. Come on. Yeah. Do you know he has his own brand? Oh God. Brand has, of like, brand of own, what? What does he sell? He had, He sells like he was wearing his own hat in his press conference. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. He has like he has like a whole website oh, that no. he sells. Yeah, it's just, it is, yeah, I saw it, and I said, well, this just emphasizes the fact that he is the biggest tool I've ever seen. Oh, man. Yeah, Nick, oh, God. Yeah, his NN brand. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, God. What a, oh. It is, uh, he's just a hard-o tool. Oh, good. I could, well, uh, glad that he's gone. Because, you know, it's one thing for coaches to be into the game, like I said. Coaches are – I see coaches jumping – Brad Stevens does – in, in important possessions, you know, I, I see, you know, plays where he's he's standing in the coach's box and he's yelling, motioning, calling guys out, run here, go here, do this, do that. Co coaches get into it all the time. But to, like, be standing – I have never seen a coach stand in the corner the way Nick Nurse did. I've never, ever, ever seen that. And that's why I was expecting him to get teed up in game seven at one point because the NBA would have said, like, dude – Technic we we said that you were technically in the right to not cause a poop storm, but like if your antics continue, we're gonna tee you up. Or just like the first time he really like whines about a call, like <laughs> come on, like just tee him up, just to set a tone. Be like, dude, chill out, be an adult. Like Jalen Brown said, grown men 
should be able to control their emotions. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, but let's get into Game Seven. I think, I think uh, the Celtics kind of had, even though they've had big wins and they've gotten to the conference finals before, I think a little bit of it has been front running, and that when things are great and easy, they they're fine. When things get tough, that's you know that's where champions are made. And I think by now we've expected this team to make that leap and win a tough game, eliminate another elite team. And to have to overcome the way Game 3 went down, you win Game 5, a heartbreaking Game 6, to have to battle in a rock fight of a Game 7, it's almost like now like you've un- they have unlocked that next level. And having to beat the champs, you know, uh, and in the way that they did, and just how tough that team played, how hard, the type of defense they were they were running. No other team is gonna. We'll get into the matchup with the Heat. No other team's gonna run that kind of zone because other teams just it's just not. You have to practice that all the time, like year round. That's a that's a something you come into the preseason saying this is a defense that we want to be able to run, and you work on it. And so no one's gonna be able to run it the way the Raptors did, and to have to overcome all of those things. To have to really earn it, I think, is more valuable than if the Celtics had won in five, like they should have. You know, I think there's more value in having to gut it out and earn it and really knock out the champs uh, in in seven games instead of, hey, you know, we won in game one. Marcus Smart saved us in game two. You know, we got lucky in game three, and then we're up three nothing. So you know, the the Raptors just kind of like maybe they just go away and you win in four or five. No, the Raptors believed in themselves. They were ready to pack it in after Game 3, but then they win Game 3 in a miracle, and then they win Game 4, and that's like, well, crud, now we're in the series. And you got their best shot. I think I think during the regular season they were a better team, but the Celtics, once we saw what they were like in the playoffs here, the Celtics were the better team, but I think they've learned a lot about themselves and mentally what it takes to beat a champion, and that's going to be huge, huge. Biggest win of the Brad Stevens era, hands down, so far yeah. to date. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, I mean, look, like, you had to win this game seven. Otherwise, what's the narrative? Like, they can't close, you know? Uh, it changes completely. Uh, you had so many. I mean, let's be honest. That game three changed the whole complexion of the series, without a doubt. Um, you know, from probably a 4-0, I, I think the bubble factor would have set in there. And to, you know, to this miracle shot, then you lay an egg and then you blow them out in game five. And then six and seven, six, you could have won easily, but you couldn't close it. And you had multiple chances again in game seven where, oh, here here come the Raptors again. It's going to happen all over. Same thing, all series. Um, and the narrative is you can't close. You have nobody that can, you know, Kemba wasn't great in game six or game seven. Um, and, and there you have it. But... Tatum and Brown have have kind of reached another level. I, I think, you know, Tatum was much more assertive in Game 7, which is good. They needed him to be. And Jalen is just your kind of steady, consistent, and I think he's just he just keeps improving, which is great. So those two guys, it was important to come through this series, for them especially. But a guy like Kemba, too, um, I mean, people forget, like, Kemba, although he's he's a consummate pro, he's a very good player, uh, but he's never been in this spot before. 
right? He's always been on that team that gets losing four and five games. So for yeah. him, it's big to come through this as well. And, you know, any day of the week, give me Marcus Smart on, on my team. The guy makes winning plays constantly. That block changed that game in game seven. Uh, that was the winning play, the chase down block. And uh, that kind of, that to me, when you see that on the sideline or even on the court, your teammates going like that, uh, you know, that gets that gets you amped. And I think Smart yeah. just continues to make winning plays like that. Yeah. Um, and he's a huge, huge contributor. And I wouldn't, I would hope that Stevens would keep him in the lineup if uh, Hayward comes back and, and, and send in Hayward off the bench. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And uh, kind of just to go off what you said about Tatum and Brown, Brown this whole year has been so steady. You know, I, he got his big contract, and I think it just kind of let him relax and he could just play and not have to think about himself at all. And he's just been such a pro. Early on, he doesn't have the three going. What did he do? I'm just going to go to the rim. I'm just going to get my game going. I'm going to get some, some easy looks. Just that's just a such a for a 23 year old. That's just such an incredible mentality to have. Uh, same thing with with Tatum. End of the game. I'm glad that they just kept giving him the ball to let him yep, go to work. Good. But you know what? He didn't settle for shots. He went to the hoop. And exactly. there was a bunch of times. There was one where Tatum went to the rim. It was actually uh, right before the block. Tatum went to the rim, and he got by Siakam. Siakam pushed him in the back. No call. Which, again, if that's the way you want to officiate a Game 7, fine. Just don't call some BS down the other end, which they didn't, and I'm glad for. But Tatum gets pushed in the back, and like you said, Marcus Smart chasing down Powell in a very similar situation to how the Raptors closed out Game 6, which Marcus Smart talked about. Like, hey, he got the same kind of play in Game 6, and, and I, I, I followed him. You know, I knew I had to just go up and meet him at the rim, which he did. He got like 8 feet off the ground, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't – I love Marcus Smart. His effort – his offense has come so far. He's just so under control, too. He makes – his ability to make difficult shots is insane. That one shot where he came in and, like, ducked under a guy, hung in the air, and, like, scooped it in on the other side with his left hand yeah. and one. Um, and one, yeah. Guys making clutch plays. I think, I think too, like, I don't think this team's afraid. I don't think this team was ever, like, afraid of losing. I just think it was one of those things, like – they had never done what they did yet, and now they know what it takes, and that that's what's huge. Also, I want to say, I know Grant Williams missed two free those two free throws, and like Tatum getting that rebound was like the biggest, another one of the biggest plays down the stretch to seal that game. But Grant Williams getting his seven minutes were huge. There's always a guy in a game seven, uh, or in a championship game, exciting like that in all sports. There's always who's the unsung hero. There's going to be somebody who you don't expect to step up and make plays. Grant Williams and his seven minutes were so important. He played really solid defense. He got some important offensive rebounds, which saved possessions and, and, and helped kill time and, and keep the lead. He got an incredible block. I mean, for a guy who's a center, right? You know, he's kind of like a mini Al Horford. To move his feet and stay with Van Fleet and block that three at the end when it was only a three-point game, Yeah, his minutes were incredible. I know... I had faith because I, I I just wanted to believe that he would sink both of those free throws, but I wasn't surprised that he, he missed both. He was so calm. You could tell he came to the line and just kind of like was like, just give me the ball. I just want to shoot this. <laughs> just get, I want to get this out of my yeah. hands. I don't want to be standing here any longer than I have to be. Uh, but he he was he was huge in, in, in his minutes. Uh, 
And, again, that's just now so many of these guys are just getting that experience. And I think looking at Miami now, it's going to be a much different series. You know, the matchups are different. But I think a guy like Kemba is going to be unleashed. I think the box and one took him out of rhythm so much. They did a great job, the Raptors did, of saying he's the guy we're just going to focus in on and, and just make him not even be able to be a part of the game. And he worked hard to get some good shots in Game 7. And his 14 points were very important. Uh, I think against Miami, I think Kemba's going to get unleashed. I just I just think he's – while they have the ability to say, let's just try and play that same zone, and I think Spolter's a good coach, I just don't think they have the same personnel to run that type of defense. And I just think that Kemba's going to get unleashed in this series and 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 return to what we saw out of him in the restart and in the first round. Huge Miami series for Kemba, I expect. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, you probably throw a Butler on Tatum or Brown, I would assume, um, and vice versa. Brown, I would assume, would pick up Butler on on you know the other end. But uh, overall, I think Miami series is going to be another tough series. Um, they're a good team. They have a lot of grit. They have a lot of toughness, more so, and and they have. I mean, they kind of match up well in terms of size. Um, with you, and um, I, I, I just think it's going to be tougher than people think. Uh, now, obviously, the Raptors, that was a huge test for the Celtics, and I think they're, they'll be better off for it, for sure. So, you know, you're a little bit more battle-tested than Miami, so hopefully you come out in game one, but, uh, you know, kind of hit first almost. But I, I would say Miami is, is going to make it tough, and uh, they have a bunch of shooters on that team, so... It's going to be very, very uh, key to guard the perimeter. And, you know, Jimmy Butler is a, is a key guy because he's playing at another level. right? Yeah. But luckily the Celtics have wing after wing after wing after wing to just kind of keep throwing at Jimmy Butler and and hopefully wear him down. I mean, Tatum can guard him. Brown can guard him. It, could Shemi get undressed? Maybe. But, like, he's going to play, he's going to play hard. And, and give, you know, if you need him to come in and give some minutes to spell one of those guys. Even a guy like Romeo Langford could come in now, you know, because and, and, I just don't think you're going to have – you don't have to worry about a lot of the same movements and, and, and things that the Raptors did. Um, you know, I, I just think you have so many guys now that you can – you could throw at Jimmy Butler, and then you're just going to be solid on the other guys, you know. Um, so who knows? You know, once the series gets going, I think the, the Heat are just one of those teams – that's hot. Um, the Heat are hot. Go figure. And uh, you got you got to find a way. I think that game being game one being on Tuesday is a huge boost for the Celtics. A little extra rest for them. Maybe Hayward can come in and give you a couple minutes. I wouldn't push it with him. I'd rather have him be ready later in the series and hopefully for the finals. But uh, I think it hurts the Heat. Now they've just been sitting around, sitting around in the bubble for even longer, uh, basically for a week. Uh and, and maybe maybe you hope that some of that, a little bit of that uh, heat uh, momentum wears off. Um, but that's exciting. Uh, you know, like I said, biggest win of the of the Brad Stevens era for the Boston Celtics. And hopefully now they, they understand. It's like, can they learn the lessons? It was the same thing with the Celtics in 08. You know, they have to, they have to go to Game 7 against the, the Hawks. They have to go to Game 7 against the Cavs because they just couldn't win on the road. You know, they didn't have a they didn't have a championship mentality. Then you play the Pistons, who are like the Eastern Conference standard bearer, right? They're either in the finals or in the Eastern Conference final every single year, 
and the Celtics, you have to like learn. Can the Celtics learn the lessons? Can they can they can they overcome what it takes to be to beat a champion? And they did. And obviously they go on and they they win a title. And you know a big part of that was their ability to win on the road, winning Game Four after being down 24 points to the Lakers. Hopefully the Celtics now have more of these experience. This is the third conference final for Jalen Brown and and Marcus Smart. This is the second yeah. for Tatum. You know he's played out. He's the youngest player ever to uh, score 20 plus points in game, in three game sevens in uh, in his for, in, 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 in to this point in his career. Like that's they have a lot for a young group. They have a lot of experience now to to kind of source. Yeah, they should have. They they were like uh, not laying an egg in the third quarter away from uh, a final because they were up on Cleveland in that game seven. Yeah. That first one for Tatum. Uh, so now it's about can you just get there? Can you get over that hump? Because that's kind of the next battle here. Is yeah, you know you've been here before. You were just battle tested in in the Raptors series, and now now what can you do with it? Now we'll say I mean the difference is you that, don't have a that, team like LeBron. Like LeBron isn't standing in your way right now. It's not like you have the Raptors in in the conference final that you have to beat that champ. The Heat have never been here either. There's nobody on the Heat who's like got that championship, been to the finals. I've won a championship. I know what it takes. Pedigree. Spolstra does, but I think as far as the players on the court, you know, I feel like these are two very similar teams from an experience standpoint. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think without all the cooks in the kitchen from you know the last couple of years here, they're better off for it with Tatum and these guys just picking up the reins and, and going and smart and you know, I mean, smart. Smart is one of those guys that's just a key player in every series because of his winning plays. He can shoot you out of some games, but I always remember when Kendrick Perkins said, if you saw uh, Marcus Smart in a fight with the Bear, you better help the Bear. <laughs> that was the best quote. I mean, that sums it up. Smart just makes winning plays, and he's he's a tough guy. So I, I think another series, again, where, where Smart's going to be huge, especially without Hayward for the first couple games here again. This series, I think, is where, where they'll need Hayward a little bit more for the scoring. Uh, hopefully, he'll be back. But, but again, like you said, I think it'll be later in the series. But now it's time for, I, I mean, I really think it's, it's Tatum and Brown and, and it's takeoff time. And Kemba, obviously, is going to have a better series. But I think this scene goes as far as those two young guys will take you. Yeah, I agree. Other last note on Marcus Smart. Uh, you know, we said how the NBA tweeted out, we the North, we the North, we the North a million times after game seven. Yeah, Marcus job. Smart retweeted it and just said, King of the North, King of the North, King of the North, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which was great. Uh, but anyway, yep, Celtics and Heat in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals, the Lakers versus likely the Clippers. Um, so that's our NBA thoughts. Quick question. Uh, you can send us your questions uh, directly through any of our streaming platforms. We're live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Uh, here on the 360 Sports Show. You can comment on the streams. Uh, if you can't catch the show live, we do have the podcast, and you can search for that on all of your favorite podcasting apps, and you can email the show at any time, the360sportsshow at gmail.com, and we'll uh, we'll read those uh, as they come in uh, or uh, if they build up throughout the week. Uh, but uh, Pete wants to know, uh, Pete from Gansett here, will the 20 20- 2020-2021 NBA season start in regional bubbles? Yes, 100%. Uh, they will not be doing the bubble like they're doing now. They're going to uh, – they're gonna they're examining whether or not they'll play a full season. Do they go to, like, maybe just 60 games? They want to try and get back on their timeline somewhat, but more of a timeline that I think they want. They, they've wanted to start on Christmas Day for forever, and I think I think that's – more and more likely to happen now and it becomes 
do we start here and end in May and see how that goes? And we try and play 82 games or do we try and play 60 games? Do we start in Christmas and end in Ju like June, July? How does that go? Uh, those are the details they're trying to work out. But, yes, it will be regional bubbles. It will be, hey, you six teams in this area, you're in a bubble, you're playing, and then, you know, after a month of those teams kind of playing almost round-robin style, you now, half of you go travel to this other bubble, you acclimate, and then you play there, and then and then you leave, and, and so on and so forth. So there will be a regional bubble element to uh, – to next season so uh thank you pete for the question um quick catch up here on on the nhl uh and and where their playoffs stand uh i'd say pretty surprising that the stars are up 3-1 on the golden knights and those games were you know kind of weird um you know anton hudobin is going to be uh, could potentially uh, win a championship here as a starter before Tuka Rask. That's a great storyline. Uh, and then on the other side, uh, the Lightning are up 2-1, but they win game one in a blowout, Christian, and then they, they win at, like, the last second in game two, and then they, you know, battle in game three and then and then blow it and then give up two goals to, to lose game three. Uh I have no idea what's going on in that Tampa series. I just I can't get a feel for who – like, I just feel like nobody's actually in control of that series, and all of those games are just wacky. Yeah, I mean, the first game, uh, the Islanders got pretty much just knocked out in the first period. Uh, Tampa took it to them, but um, – and it was a close one. And, again, so I, I – you know, I don't know. It's, it's going to be – I expected it to be closer in in you know in the first couple of games. Uh, that hasn't been the case, but I also think this series could go deep, uh, and especially without Point. So I don't know if he's going today, but Braden Point is hurt for Tampa, so that's a huge loss if he can't go uh, anymore. I think it was lower body, I want to say. Mm -hmm. um, and the Islanders are they're I mean look they're a good team they're well coached. I don't think that if Tampa's on on their level, I don't think anybody's as good as Tampa. I mean, I just think they're the best team in the league. So, I mean, when you look at it, the Islanders should keep this close if Point is not in. If Point's in, I would say Tampa's probably just going to win this. You know, they'll wrap it up here relatively quickly. But, I mean, Tampa's just the best team. That's just that's just what it is. I mean, the, you know, the Point total might not show it, but if you just look at their roster up and down, they have – just about the best three players in every series between Point, Hedman, and Kucherov. Um, but you know, I am uh, I'm on the Stars train now, so I uh, I'm rooting for them through and through with uh, old buddy Tyler Sagan, and obviously they just have a bunch of they, they got a bunch of guys on that team. Jamie Ben, Badger Law, they they're all playing well. Uh, that series is surprising to me more than anything, and uh, all aboard the Stars train. I hope they uh, I hope they go and win it. Yeah, no, it, I, I'm. I'm very stunned at, at where that, that series stands. Uh, you know, obviously 3-1 in favor of the Stars. Uh, I thought I, I picked Vegas to, to be in the Stanley Cup playoff, in, in the final, and, and to win the whole thing. Uh, so, but Dallas, we've kind of been doubting Dallas the whole way. We're like, when is Dallas finally going to, like, live up to their potential? Doing it right yep. now, <laughs> which is unbelievable. Uh, you know, and, and like I said, 
Anton Hudobin could could win a Stanley Cup as a starter before Tuka Rask, which is just I, – I, honestly, I think as much as you said rooting for Tyler Sagan, I think I'm rooting for that more. I think I'm rooting for that more. Oh, yeah, that's – I mean, that's on the list too for sure. You know, because like we've said, love Tuka. I think he, I think he's a good goaltender, but it I, I want it to be time to move on. And if, if the Stars win with Anton Hudobin – then that can just maybe reinforce the Bruins that listen. We don't need Tuca. We like you, you know. Thank you for your service, but time to move on. Uh, yeah, I'm. I honestly, and, and again, the Islanders have been this weird, this just this kind of wild ride for them. Uh, I think now I, I I feel you know game game four. When's game four? Is that today? Is that or is that I believe it's today? Today. So we'll we'll know today. Uh, I kind of just have a feeling like the Lightning, even though they got up 2-0 in that series, uh, I, I just I, it doesn't feel good. I don't feel good about it for them. So I, I kind of now I'm rooting for Stars Islanders, just the weirdest, wackiest Stanley Cup matchup imaginable out of out of all the teams, you know, and the storylines and people expecting certain teams to be there. If it's Stars Islanders, that is just so gross. And I think it would just be that would just be perfect. So perfect for this year in this bubble situation. Stars Islanders. Yes. Let's have it. Meanwhile, yeah, I mean, meanwhile on the NBA yeah. side you'd get the most epic matchup ever if you had Celtics Lakers, which would be just classic. I know. Yeah, um, that would be uh, that's the dream, honestly. But but Stars Islanders, oh that's just so gross. But as a ho- hockey fans will watch anything that's hockey. So I bring it on. Get get Vegas and Tampa Bay out of there. Give me Dallas and you know Long Island. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for it. Honestly, this is what makes hockey so good is these teams that uh, you don't expect can get there. And uh, I'm I'm rooting for it. But I want the stars. I'm rooting for the stars through and through it here. Hudobin and Sagan between the two with former Bruins. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully you know they can close it out. Yep. All right. Now, on to the NFL. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so, uh, season opener was on uh, Thursday. The Chiefs, as we both expected, handled the Texans. Texans look, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just like, you know, first game of the year, you don't know what you have, so many kinks to work out. But I, 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 I think the Texans are a bad team. Uh, Deshaun Watson's great. But I just, uh, I just, I just think the Texans just are are probably gonna just limp their way to like a nine and seven, ten and six, and get annihilated in the playoffs. Um, so, uh, not too much to take out of that game. I, I guess it's more Christian. Like the vibe with the NFL is that like there was no ramp up. It's just like all of a sudden, oh games. And so it, I wasn't as hyped to watch. I think I'll be more hyped to watch today on a Sunday. When you're gonna have like yeah. a full slate of games, just the, like the Thursday night opener, without the crowd, without the pomp and circumstance, really of it, it's just kind of like I felt like it fell flat, and it didn't really feel like a real game, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, between <laughs> I, I, I just I wasn't as excited. I mean, look, the Texans are what they are. I, I that team does not excite me in the least. I'll be honest. Sean Watson, uh, I'm surprised he signed an extension there. I think O'Brien. Uh, kind of sucks. I, I don't know. I, I don't think they got rid of Hopkins. They don't have much in front of them. I, I don't know. That team just doesn't excite me. And I wasn't, 
I, you know, I don't know. Maybe it was like, okay, no preseason buildup, no real buildup. And then it was like, here you go, Thursday night game. I mean, the biggest thing I took away of that game is that uh, you can't even stand the middle of the field in unity without Kansas City fans booing. Oh, that so, was that was ridiculous. Yeah, I know so some I people said that it was like know. like the Chiefs saying, like, cheese. There wasn't booing. No, there was booing. No, that was a lie. Yeah, that's a lie. There, there was booing, which, which, which I, again, you know, Luckily, we have so much sports stuff, we don't have to get devolved into the political stuff. We spent an entire episode uh, on that, um, as we as we should have. But, you know, it, it says a lot that, you know, people get mad that you're you're kneeling during the anthem. Okay, you know, it, it's not even during the anthem now. Who's being disrespected? You know, it, 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 it's no, you know, you can't even say that it was about it, the, the anthem or anything anymore when you're just booing when they want to show unity. You're, you're booing yeah. the unity at that point. So yep, exactly. That's the point. You know, that, so you can't. So if you want to say it's about the flag, then it's about the flag. But then when guys lock arms at midfield, uh, every single person on the roster and then you boo anyway, you lose me. That's when you lose me. I just, yeah. uh, you know, what? like, that's it. You're done. Uh, you lose all credibility when you do that. It's not about the flag anymore. It's about you. Yeah. And as 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 irrational as it is to have been angry about the disrespect, like you realize, like, you know, oh, you know, you're disrespecting the military. Well, a lot, so many I've spoken to so many military people, and there's people on both sides who get upset about it. You know, I fought for that flag, so you should stand for it. There's also people who say, "Listen, I fought for their freedom to kneel. He's peacefully protesting. Let him do it. Yeah. That's his right. That's the right that I fought for." You getting upset with him makes me mad as a veteran. Uh, you can have that argument back and forth for days, and it, and at this point now, it it wasn't even about that. It was just about wanting to show unity, and you're still booing. Uh, you're a racist <laughs> at that point. What else am I supposed to think? Yeah. You're booing people wanting to show unity. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, that's where you lose it. That's that's where you lose the credibility. Um, uh, let's get into, uh, I want to do picks. I want to do picks. Uh, and I think Christian, uh, like I said earlier, the, uh, the beautiful thing here is we can pick the games here. If you're listening with us live, you can take in our, 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 our insights and, and our thoughts on these games. Uh, into account, uh, and then uh, you can go and listen to the podcast on a Tuesday or a Wednesday throughout the week, and you can see how wrong or right we were. So uh, best of both worlds here for, for everybody listening. Um, so we already had the, the Houston KC game. Uh, let's just we'll, just, we'll just bang, 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 bang. We'll run right through these. Uh, so these are today's NFL Week 1 matchups. Jets at Buffalo. Who you taking? Uh, Buffalo. Yeah, Jets suck. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, that's an easy one. I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, Green Bay at Minnesota. I am taking the Packers. I think Aaron Rodgers is really mad about Jordan Love being drafted there, and uh, he's going to want to prove it in week one. I'll go Minnesota. I think Minnesota has uh, mm. still a pretty good roster, good on the defensive side, no crowd, obviously, but I think uh, I think they'll be okay. Uh, Eagles at the Washington football team. <laughs> the who? The Washington football uh, team? Yeah. Uh, Washington football team can go screw Eagles all the way. Yeah, I think that's going to be a blowout. I think the Redskins might win two games this year, maybe. Uh, Cleveland at Baltimore. <laughs> I'm going to take Baltimore. Uh, yeah, Baltimore. Easy. Yeah. Until Cleveland's going to have another year. Until Cleveland proves to me that they're like not Cleveland. <laughs> like with all the talent they they have, they should be good. But I they need to prove it to me. 
and they could prove yeah, it in week one. But I ain't I ain't picking them. Uh, Indy at Jacksonville. Your call, Indy. First. Yeah, again, blowout city. Uh, Philip Rivers first game. You know, yeah. I, I think the, the Colts are, are the better team. The Jaguars are trying to be the worst team, and they will be. And this is People don't realize, too, that the Colts could be pretty good this year, especially if Phillip Rivers is, is on his game. I mean, he's obviously not, like, the best, but he's, he's up there. And uh, if he plays well, they have a decent roster, I want to say, around him. So. Yep. Uh, Las Vegas at Carolina. I'll go Carolina. Yeah, I think Carolina takes care of business that one. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about this one. And typically the Raiders are never good on the East Coast, but they're not on the West Coast anymore. So you know what? I'm taking Las Vegas. Week one, I believe. I believe that we will win. <laughs> the Death Star is moving. The death the Death Star yeah, the Death Star is, is, is on the move. That's no moon. Um <laughs> Chicago at Detroit. Uh, I would say Chicago, but they picked uh, Mitch Trubisky, who blows, to be their starting quarterback. So I'm going to pick uh, the opposite team every single week until he's out. <laughs> Detroit. Uh, I agree 100% with that logic. I'm going Lions as well. Uh, this is an interesting matchup. Seattle at Atlanta. Seattle. Uh, I don't know. I d- you know what? Uh, I don't know. It's tough. I, I feel like the Falcons – you know, if, if it was late in the year, I'd pick Seattle because the Falcons are, are giant chokers. Uh, but also, no. Is Atlanta going to have fans? Do they have? I'll tell you, if you pick Matty Ice, he will disappoint you. So Is is Atlanta going to have fans in the stands? I don't know. I don't know who's going to have fans and who. I, I think some teams will, some teams won't. I, I'm not sure about Atlanta. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. If, I want to I wanna find out if they're having fans. Nope, team is not allowing fans. Uh, that makes this one easy then. Seahawks. <laughs> I feel like if they have fans, yeah. maybe, maybe. Uh, but, yeah. So we're both going. I, yeah, you said Seattle, correct? Yes. All right, I will skip over this next game because we're going to come back to it. Um, Los Angeles Chargers at Cincinnati. Chargers. Oof, no way. Both these teams, both these teams, well, no. okay, Joe, Joe Burrow changes it, but I also think both these teams suck. Uh, let's go, let's go, Joe. Uh, I'm, I'm taking the Bengals. I'm, the Bengals, I'm going to just hemorrhage losses this year, betting blindly on Joe Burrow until, until. Who's Chargers? Chargers quarterback is Tyrod Taylor? Yes. Oh, okay, never mind, I'm taking Cincinnati. <laughs> These yeah. Uh, yeah, I just I, – I feel like there's there's always, every year there's that one team that I just, like, keep thinking is going to win, and I just keep picking them until they win. Last year it was the Browns. This year it's going to be the Bengals. I have no idea if the Bengals will actually win games. I think they're going to compete with Joe Burrow. Uh, we They probably won't win more than, like, five or six games, but I'm going to pick them. I'm going to pick them to go 16-0 and <laughs> with the way I'm going to bet <laughs> on them every single week. Um, Arizona – at San Francisco. San Francisco. I am taking the Cardinals, and here is why. The last time that the Niners were on a field was blowing a 10-point lead in the Super Bowl. No preseason games, nothing to tune up, nothing to put that memory out of your head. 
an off season that's just was as bizarre as bizarre can be. And I just don't think they've had a chance to work out maybe any of that Super Bowl hangover. And I think Kyler Murray runs all over them. And I think that the Cardinals are a good, young, well-coached team that is just going to scrap and fight. And that the Niners are just going to kind of come out flat. And so, Cardinals, baby. Cardinals. All you need to say is Jimmy G. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Tom Brady at New Orleans. Uh, Tampa. I'm going Saints. Who I think Brady is going to absolutely light it up this year. Well, is is that could be true. Is Mike Evans playing today? Uh, no, he is not. He is out. Da, ba, 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 ba. Listed as doubtful. When did that? Oh, there it is. Okay. He's out, yeah. I think he came through Friday, maybe. But... Oh, no, no. He's, it's, it's. It's not official because he was initially looked like he was going to be out, and then then really? he was upgraded. He was. Then he was upgraded to questionable. Now this is this is thirty minutes ago from Jake Glazer. Bucks will work Mike Evans out in about two hours, and even if he's cleared, Bucks plan to be cautious with him in the game. So there you go. Oh, here you go. Yeah. That that informs my fantasy team. I have Mike Evans, so I'm going to bench him <laughs> because yeah. if they're going to be cautious with him, then you know stay away if you're if you're a fantasy guy. Um, yeah, I just think no matter what, I, I just thought that, you know, the Bucks are going to be good this year. But we said when we went when we picked their games way back when, I think we both penciled this in as a loss. At New Orleans, fans or not, I think the Saints are should be in the Super Bowl this year. I think they're probably the best team in the NFC. And I just think that Brady early on, you know, ha- doesn't have the connection with those guys to draw from to be able to just go to the well on things. And I just think – I honestly expect Brady to, like – how are Bucks fans going to react to Chuck and Duck? Like, Brady getting rid of the ball in, like, three seconds and not – as much as, you know, Arians wants him to hang in there and just bomb it down the field, how much is Brady's self-preservation going to take over and he's just going to, like, nope, I'm just going to throw it to where there isn't a guy because it's been three seconds and I want to get rid of the ball. And I think in this game, first game of the year – uh, I feel like uh, the Bucks might get kind of just, you know, roughed up. And, uh, yeah, I'm taking New Orleans. Camp all the way, baby. Let's go. Super Bowl. All right. Well, this is good. We'll get to argue about this now. Uh, one of us gets to be right, and we'll get to argue about it later uh, through texts and next Sunday on the show. Perfect. Uh, Dallas at the Rams. Dallas. I think Dallas has a really, really good roster, and I think they will. Uh... Well, speaking of Dallas, I was going to. Never s- mind. No, no, no. I, <laughs> I, no, I want. I want. I wanted to get to this right now because we're talking about Dallas. Uh, I will take Dallas. I. But first, I would think. I, I think their roster is very good once again. So it's a. It's a matter of can they get their heads on straight and can they uh, kind of push forward. But I think Dallas has a good roster and they'll be up there. Yeah, Mike McCarthy is going to be so good for them. Um. <clears throat> Skip Bayless, shut the F up. Yeah, this guy's a moron, huh? Dude does not know what he's talking about. For those that don't know, he basically, you know, called out D- Dak. Listen, we need – there's a lot of things that are, that, are, that are wrong in society that we need to try and fix. Um, one of those that I think we've made tremendous strides with is de-stigmatizing mental illness. It's okay to talk about it. It's okay to get help. It's okay to admit that you need help. 
mental illness. I said this on uh, Seahawk Talk, uh, our our you know daily show with with Sally Regina, because I think it was Thursday, Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday was um, Suicide Awareness um, Day. Um, yeah. In that, it's it, mental illness is not something that's like it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of being human. We all go through it. You ever have you? If you've never said you were stressed, oh, this is making me anxious. Like that, you're lying. That's <laughs> part of the human experience, and I think admitting okay. that, and and owning that, and saying that some of us feel it more than others, and to some people, you know, there's there's general, you know, like I said, run of the mill, like being stressed and under pressure, blah blah. And then there's really severe mental illness, panic attacks, and and mental breakdowns. And until you've experienced those things. You don't get to judge anybody or talk about them, and you definitely don't put them yeah. down for it. Like that, I liked uh, – this is th- one of those things where it's like I can disagree with somebody on a sports take. When when you come out with an attitude the way Skip Bayless did about belittling and bringing down Dak Prescott for talking about you know his, his mental health and, and, and where he was and wanting to get help and trying to make that like – Oh, I don't want you to be my starting quarterback now because guys aren't going to believe in me. You lose me forever, dude. Like you could be wrong about sports, or I could disagree with you. This is this is just something that speaks about your like character as a human being. Awful, awful, yeah. awful, I mean, awful. Did, should he get fired? Skip, no. Should I? Should no. no one ever listen to him again? Yes. Tune Skip Bayless out for the rest of your life. Yeah, I mean, he is one of those guys that uh, he gets paid a lot of money to say stupid crap. I mean, we're all in agreement with that, right? But this is just – this is one of the dumbest takes and, and one of the most tone-deaf things I've ever heard. Um, yeah, it, it, it just comes off as such a dick thing to say. And, I mean, look, the whole thing – I mean, so September is National Suicide awareness prevention month or prevention awareness month i believe and there's a week in there that is that is highlighted but september is that month so he was talking about it and his brother had just passed away all this stuff and then basically the way skip brought it up is you're soft if you're doing this and your teammates are going to lose faith in you no this is what teammates rally around it's just one of the dumbest things i've ever say uh, i've ever heard anyone say and i, I thought we needed to get to this just for at least a minute, just to say, this guy's a moron. I think we all agree. And this is not in the same breath as a dumb sports take that uh, you get paid to say. This is tone deaf. And it's, you know, he's not going to lose his job. None of that, obviously. But moronic, stupid, whatever you want to say. Yeah, Skip just loses me. And and then, I I don't know, I just, I, I can't get behind anything he says ever, but this is different. And yeah, he should not be uh, given any credibility on that. Yeah. So uh, we're in a hundred percent agreement on that. Skip Bayless, you suck. Uh, and uh, we'll move on. Uh, and we're both picking Dallas. So yes. Uh, to the Monday night games, we get the, uh, the double header Monday night, uh, Pittsburgh at the giants. Hmm. That's an interesting one. You know what? I'm going to say Giants because I think Joe Judge's guy I'm ready to go. Uh, I am picking uh, Pittsburgh, and um, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, their rookie receiver, Claypool, uh, worth 
paying attention to. I think that dude is might be the best wide receiver uh, in the rookie class and is going to light it up. So uh, Chase Claypool, if you're watching that Monday night game, pay attention to him. I think he's going to open some eyes. I think without preseason, we didn't get to see what a lot of these guys you know, were doing. Uh, that dude is going to ball out this year. As long, you know, obviously, as long as he's healthy, that's the deal with anybody, you know. But uh, Clay, worth worth watching. Um, Tennessee at Denver, final game of week one, uh, which is kind of a yucky game to put as like the final game. But I guess they figure ten o'clock on a Monday, who's watching? So might as well squeeze the worst game of the week in there. So uh, Tennessee at Denver. Uh, I'm gonna go Denver. Um, I kind of, I'm kind of on the fence. Obviously, Von Miller just went down for the season for them, but I think Denver could be sneaky, like nine and seven, eight and eight, something like that. Yeah, uh, I'm taking Tennessee. I think they're a better team. Uh, I think that uh, you know, at least in the early going, they're going to have some momentum from last year, and, and they're going to feel confident. And you know, the whole is Denver having fans? It's like it's like the same thing over and over again, like. Uh, Denver Broncos fans. Uh, da, 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 da. Does not look like it. They will not have fans. So uh, that's a big difference. You know, basically you're just battling the elevation at that point and not that raucous crowd. So uh, I take the Titans. Uh, and now let's let's circle on back. To close out the show here, uh, Miami at New England. What will the Patriots be? I think it's great that we get to watch the Patriots at 1 o'clock today and then the Buccaneers at 4 o'clock. We get to, I hope the rest of the year that the games are scheduled that way so you can watch one and then the other uh, and just be able to, to take in both of those teams because it's just such a fascinating story what both of them are going to be this year. Uh, Christian, your, your thoughts on the Patriots uh, heading into this season uh, and uh, your pick for this game. Uh, so I think the first few weeks here uh, are going to be – they're going to be rough. Um, <clears throat> now, I know the inactives already came out, and uh, Jarrett Stidham is one of them. So uh, all the hype around Jarrett Stidham, I think, can just go by the wayside at this point um, because he went from starter to bench. Um, and Uche, Keen, both out today. So – I don't know. I think it's going to be rough here. You know, while they, it's a new offense. Uh, my guess is going to be a lot of option, uh, a lot of screen play um, close to the line with Newton, and then maybe you go over the top. But I, I don't know. I, I, I'm skeptical of this Patriots team just because of the weapons. I think Edelman is obviously good, but I don't know what you have in Harry. Myers, I think, is good, but the separation was a problem. So, um, and, and obviously Cam Newton. Uh, Looks pretty good in that Pats uniform. But uh, I would say they're going to do some different things. It's going to look a little different. Um, in terms of a pick, God, it's tough. I think I, I think I will go Pats, um, but I think it's going to be close, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be a rough couple of weeks while they get get acclimated here with the new guys. But overall, you know, preseason here for the first few weeks, and then off they go, and hopefully they can get to a, a certain point. I think that. The Patriots are going to be such an intriguing story. What will they be this year? Um, and, and we don't know. 
we, you know, we like we said, we don't, we didn't get to see preseason. We don't know what what any of this is going to look like. Um, but I just have a feeling that you know, at least in the first couple of weeks here, if there's a if there's a team and a coach that is going to have a team ready to go amidst any sort, all the like wackiness and weirdness, and just get a team to like drone out all the noise and be focused. It's Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. So I think of yeah, all the teams, they are going to be the most prepared for this game. Now, obviously, it's two teams that are familiar with each other, and, and Flores is probably, you know, trying to get his the the, the Dolphins on the same page, um, you know, you know that same type of mentality. But obviously, I defer to Bill. Uh, I think early, early on, I'm giving the Patriots the benefit of the doubt because of you know that in Bill we trust thing, um, until I see their personnel being fatally flawed. I'm not going to pick against them uh, in, in, yeah. in in a game like this against the Dolphins. You, uh, so I just saw a picture of Cam Newton's uh, suit as he walked in. I don't know if you saw this picture yet. Maybe I, I, I'm i thinking this is from today just based on everybody posting it, but if that's his suit from today, the Patriots are going to win by 400. <laughs> Let me, let's, let's, let's see. Was this on, is this on Twitter somewhere? Yeah, yeah, just scrolling through, and Mike Reese posted it. Uh, iconic saga. I don't know a saga. I don't know what that is, but let's see. Uh, if that's from today, yeah, the Patriots win by a hundred. No, no doubt. Da 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 da. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my Lord. All right. Yeah. Let's. Uh, let, let me see if I can save this. For those watching live, you're gonna get. You're gonna get this. Uh, you're going to get this right now. Let's see. Da, 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 da. i got to find that, the ability to put in an image here. Come on. Where is it? Image. Da, 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 da. Let's save this. Open this. We're Crazy. Doing, we're doing this all in real time. Da, 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 da. Looking like the sunshine out there. Damn. This full yellow. It's just an epic look. Let's see. Hopefully this translates. Okay. So I mean, it's so Cam Newton, right? You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna get this live right now. There you go. If you're watching the show, there, there it is. Woo! <laughs> that is sick. <laughs> That's a suit, though. You gotta back that up. If you if if Cam oh, yeah. comes out and plays terribly, this thing within an hour is gonna be photoshopped to have a, a squirting flower. He's gonna have a rubber nose. He's gonna have clown shoes. He's gonna have like the, if he this this is either gonna be like oh my god this is what we're rolling with all year this dude is fly and he's gonna come out and ball in the field or this thing is gonna be totally eviscerated uh, in an hour on Twitter. <laughs> I'll tell you what though, even if it gets eviscerated, still still cool as hell. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, um, I I just think uh, I think today the Patriots just find a way. I I, I just think there's too much. There's too much positive momentum for them. I think they're excited to have Cam as their quarterback, uh, and and at least today, you know, I don't know what they're going to be all season, but I think today, I think they're the better team. And I think a guy, uh, the guy, sneaky guy, you know, they could double Edelman. I think the two guys that you're going to have to watch for today, Keys, uh, Rex Burkhead, out of the backfield, James White, uh, James White, Demir Bird. Watch him. I think I think he's the guy. That uh, that Newton uh, is going to be able to find on a lot of those uh, speed routes, uh, especially if he can get out of the pocket and stay open uh, and, and, and stay yeah. alive. Um, I mean, look, I'll, I'll ex- I, I think we expect to see some option stuff 
And then Edelman obviously will be in there, but he's going to get doubled, Mike. That's my guess. But I would think I am going to be watching two guys uh, if they're on the field. I don't know how the numbers work out in terms of receiver corps, but uh, Myers and, and Harry, have they made any strides? Can they get open? Uh, those two guys are big because I think uh, early on in the year, they know the system. They've been there for a year now. Where's the jump going to come from, especially from Nikhil Harry? This is a first-round pick last year. It's already looking not great. So I, I expect to see some type of jump, whether that's more separation. Uh, maybe they try to get him the ball in more unique ways. I, I'm not sure, but uh, those are the guys that I look at because that wide receiver group is is very thin. So those games are kicking off shortly. Uh, that is going to do it here for uh, for the 360 Sports Show. Football's back. We're excited to watch. Uh, sit down and relax for a whole day, Christian. It's been a while since. I mean, I know we kind of got spoiled with that with uh, with the bubble and the NHL action, but there's really nothing like. I mean, the air's the air's crisp, the the, the breeze is warm, and uh, football's back. So a little a little bit more of a the normal setup, uh, and looking forward to it. Yeah, let's go Pats. All right. That'll do it for the program. Thank you for tuning in live, live every Sunday at 11 a.m. on uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Periscope. And if you can't catch us live, catch us on the podcast. Just search for the 360 Sports Show on your favorite podcast app. That'll do it, folks. I'm Andy Bazzelli for Christian Lauber. Have a great week, everybody. See you later.